This is Using the Whole Whale, a podcast that brings you stories of data and technology in the nonprofit world. My name's George Weiner, your host and the chief whaler of wholewhale.com. Thanks for joining us. Something very interesting happened in 2014. For the first time in 65 years, the Turing test was beaten. This means a machine was able to convince a panel of human judges that it was in fact human. This test was originally designed by Alan Turing to decide whether or not we should consider a bot intelligent or not. This is an interesting sign of the times, and it's fascinating to me to keep an eye on this because we base so much, and definitely the work I do, around web traffic. I mean, we're setting impact goals. We're measuring how well we're doing based on web traffic. A report that came out in 2014 by Encapsula showed that 56% of all internet activity is actually driven by bots. Now, only a third of that is by what they would consider bad bots, the spammers and you know nefarious folks. So a lot of the bot traffic is in fact good, the Google spiders and Facebook crawling and things that are designed to hopefully help us. I tracked down uh, an expert in ad fraud and bot traffic to talk to us today. We're talking with Dr. Augustin Fu, who's made it his business to understand what exactly is going on with regard to ad fraud, which is going on to the impacts of bot traffic. He spends a lot of time working with not-for-profits in the sector, and he was nice enough to spend some time with us today. Let's jump into this interview and find out exactly what's going on here. Who you are and what what issues do you care about? Sure, um, I've been doing digital work for about uh, the last 28 years or so, and um, I've really been focused on the kind of technical aspects and the strategy aspects. So right now, my day job is to really help clients uh, do better digital marketing. And one of the things uh, that I've, I've really focused in on recently is the topic of ad fraud because most direct path to increasing ROI is to help them cut out all the waste, uh, wasted ad spend due to this fraud. Um, and you, you can imagine like the ads that are shown to bots or non-humans will never convert into a customer or a sale. So it's really that basic, it's how to cut out all the waste uh, due to the fraud. Interesting, so tell me a little bit more about how you began down the road of ad fraud? Um, well, ad fraud, you know, there's fraud in, in every imaginable industry, but uh, in digital, uh, in digital advertising, you know, over the last couple of years, uh, more and more things have gone programmatic, which means, uh, you know, in the old days, uh, we used to have media buyers go through and optimize and pick where to place the media. More and more of that's now being automated by computer algorithms. And furthermore, there are 
um, hundreds of thousands, if not tens of millions of sites that carry advertising. So it's practically impossible to do by hand anymore. So basically, the because of things getting automated, it's actually made it a lot easier for the bad guys to commit fraud. And uh, just to kind of tie into a couple of types of online advertising, an example would be banner ads or display ads and video ads. Those are sold on a CPM basis, which means that the advertiser pays every for every thousand times the ad is displayed, whether they get any action or not. So in that case, all the bad guy has to do is load the web page with the bot and cause the ads to load. And in fact, they can load hundreds of ads at a time that way. So now that it's more automated, and now that the bad guys are using algorithms to do it, uh, they have, uh, they're basically generating enormous quantities of ad impressions, and that's how they steal the ad dollars. So a lot of those, you know, basically if you're looking at it from the advertiser's perspective, all of that wasted ad spend. So the, the key would be to help cut out all of that fraud and waste. Wow. So you're telling me these uh, bad guys don't even have the common decency to rip me off themselves by clicking? They have robots do their dirty work? Absolutely, right. It, uh, previously, when they did have click farms and humans clicking, uh, that was not uh, nearly scalable enough for them. So now they're basically using malware compromised computers where they have programs running in the background. Uh, to load pages and click on ads and things like that. So it's all fully automated. And furthermore, beyond just the malware compromised PC, they're even spinning up virtual browsers and data centers. And the idea there is that um, you know, a lot of these browsers are originally meant to test web pages or test mobile apps before the developer launches them. But because they can do most things like scroll up and down the page, click on things, uh, so on and so forth, um, they can be used for these malicious uh, purposes as well. Well, that's pretty evil. So just to make sure I understand, I you know I have a hundred dollars and I'm going to go off into the online advertising world. I spend a hundred of these dollars. What happens when some of my display ads show up in front of a bot? Can't I just tell that that's a, a robot that clicked on the ad when it comes back to my website? Um, it's not that easy because bad guys also don't honestly declare themselves. So if we think about uh, search engine crawlers, those are essentially algorithms that load a page and then look at the content on the page. But those search engine crawlers like from Google or Yahoo or Bing, they declare themselves, I'm a search engine crawler, for example, Googlebot 2.1. So you see that in what is called the user agent, which is basically the browser telling you which browser they are. However, the bad guys do everything in their power to not disclose that, right? Not tell you honestly that they're a bad guy, right? So they're going to look like the browser that comes from an iPhone. They're going to look like a Firefox browser. They're going to look like an Internet Explorer browser. So when they click through and they arrive on your site, there's no easy way to tell that they're a bot because they appear in your analytics to be Internet Explorer. So that's where some of our techniques and our technologies have to come into play to kind of triangulate that they are a bad guy and therefore uh, be able to detect and mitigate that over time. Gotcha. So they trick the user agent and they say, hey, trust me, I'm a person clicking around your website. And we can't exactly. really tell the good from the bad at that point. Yeah, 
harder. It's not. It's not that easy. It's not like um, you know they they tell you they're a bad guy, right? So they disguise themselves very well. Gotcha. How I have to ask. You know, this sounds pretty terrible to someone who's trying to spend money online, especially you know as we'll get into it, the nonprofit world. But I mean, are we talking about you know one or two percent of my you know ads are going to this sort of uh, ad fraud, or how big is this issue? Well, based on our firsthand research, um, you know, with our own data, plus all the research that everyone else has done, so there's, there's you know, anti-fraud vendors that have sprung up in recent years. Uh, the ad networks themselves are putting measures in place. So the estimates actually vary all over the place to the point that uh, they're almost unbelievable because some say it's so low, like single digits, one, two, three percent. Others say it's so high, like it's 80%, 99% I've seen, and so on and so forth. And when you really pick through it, you know, we see kind of the vested interests being um, revealed, right? So the networks have an incentive to say, don't worry, it's all clean on our network. So you tend to see estimates in the 1% to 3% range. Whereas the security vendors, in order to sell their services, they have every incentive to say, oh, well, it's 60%, it's 80%, it's even 99% uh, so that they get business. So that's why you really can't trust any numbers that are even published out there. You really have to look at it, um, you know, firsthand, look at your own data um, and be able to detect it that way. So again, the estimates vary so widely that they are almost unbelievable. Yeah, I guess that's difficult to, to get your head around. But there were some reports in 2014 uh, from some major leaders. I don't know if you know some of those stats off your head, just to give some benchmarks that yeah. you know people have picked out. So the, the, now the most widely quoted number is a third, and that's because Wall Street Journal said it was a third. I mean, based on a lot of the data, I can corroborate that. That you know, um, there's a lot of traffic going around the internet that is not human meaning you have so many crawlers, you have so many bots. So whether it's good or bad, a third of traffic on the internet is not human, right? It's created by the you know web website crawlers, the search engine crawlers, some are bad guys, you know, so on and so forth. So about a third would be a good uh, you know, rule of thumb. So for every hundred dollars you spend, uh, you're probably losing about thirty five dollars or so. Man, that's crazy. Um, but you know, I think lumping together, and I, thank you for being careful about some of these numbers, you know, the, the third of all traffic, you know, Wall Street came out with it, IAB came out with it, but yeah. it's, you know, they're bundling this together, and I'm sure there are some, you know, really bad advertising routes to take. I mean, are we saying that, like, $100 spent on Facebook, or on Google, on all of these things, each one of those platforms is fake, or are there some areas yeah. of advertising that are just, yikes? That's yeah, that's an excellent point. So basically, um, if you're talking about the super long tail websites, so the whole point of ad networks is that, you know, when we when advertisers started moving beyond the mainstream sites like ESPN.com or something like that, and they started looking for a smaller and smaller site on which they could put their ads, there became this enormously long tail of super tiny websites that in and of themselves didn't have enough uh, inventory. Right, to sell to these big advertisers. So that gave rise to the ad networks, which would aggregate hundreds of thousands of these super tiny websites and say, oh, well, when we put them all together, we can do an ad scale media buy for you. And it's basically, that, that's what led to 
uh, kind of the opportunity for fraud because all these super tiny websites, you know, no human would really ever go to. And in fact, when you look at some of them, they either have no content or they have kind of algorithmically generated content that when you try to read it, it's not even human readable, right? But the purpose of those sites is to actually carry a whole ton of ads, right? So when you have these sites and they get added into the ad network, and then the traffic to those sites are generated by bots, right? So every page load that loads, you know, 100 ad impressions um, is generated by a bot. At that ad impression inventory is then sold into the ad exchanges or the ad networks. And then that's what gets bought and sold by the, the big advertisers. So in general, if you stay away from, you know, those uh, super long tail you know, websites and you, you know, especially if you're a small business or you're a nonprofit, literally stick with AdWords, literally stick with Facebook ads or YouTube or video ads. Those mainstream guys and the mainstream sites is not where the fraud is happening. So that's a great, easy way to say, you know, if I really want to make sure my, uh, my ad dollars are not wasted on fraud, uh, don't go for the long tail stuff, don't buy traffic, don't do all these kind of, you know, partially shady types of things. And then, you know, for the most part, you'll be okay. Yeah, I think that's a you know a general good rule to live by there. But you know, if you yeah. care, be careful what you pay for, and if the deal seems too good to be true, probably is. Exactly. So I'm curious. Exactly. When you yeah. see thirty cent TPMs, something's wrong with that, right? You know, there's a reason uh, mainstream sites like ESPN have to charge tens of dollars CPMs. You know, because they actually have good content that humans actually want to go read. You know, so so you really get what you pay for. And I guess in, in the recent years, it's kind of in the search for more and more and more impressions. That's what led big advertisers to say, oh, okay, well, you know, let's go buy some of this lower cost inventory because that might extend our reach. And a lot of that's coming out of kind of the reach and frequency mentality that's brought in from TV advertising. Right? So we want to show our message to more people. And so that's when they try to buy more impressions. And oh, by the way, if, if we're buying these impressions at lower cost, we're going to get more impressions at lower average cost. And that's how they kind of justify, oh, well, I'm getting a better ROI because I got more impressions at lower average cost. But what they're doing is they're mixing in this really, really dirty inventory. Man, it sounds like junk bonds all over again. Exactly. This is the digital advertising version of that. And, you know, we're coming very close to the total collapse of that. And if it doesn't happen, then you know, digital advertising is gonna lose credibility and all the dollars that the big advertisers want to spend in digital are gonna go somewhere else. So it's really important for the industry, the digital advertising industry, to get this cleaned up as soon as possible. Yeah, so on that topic, what is being done by the industry? Like, who are the good guys? Who are the players out there? So, you know, long story short is no single solution is going to work. So let me give you an example of what some industry associations are doing. And it's all the parts of the puzzle to solving this. So the industry trade groups are really, really great at setting standards. And things like, you know, uh, what is the viewability of an ad, right? Is the ad of the fold and therefore viewable by human? Or is the ad so far down the page that it never actually gets viewed? And so they're setting standards around things like viewability, 
uh, you know, and now some companies are moving towards, okay, we want to make sure we buy only viewable ads and that kind of stuff. So standard setting, uh, best practices, education, those are things that industry associations uh, can do for the industry. Then there are some other good guys like the anti-fraud vendors, and you know, there's many different types, but I'll just explain two of them. Uh, one would be uh, an example where they're, they're in the ad network and they're trying to detect in real time um, you know, uh, whether that's a quality bid and whether they should place an ad with it. Right? So those would be things, uh, companies like Double, Verify, or Interval Ad Science. There are others that work on the website. So those would be like uh, White Ops, uh, Pixelate, Forensic. And in that case, what they're doing is they're detecting the quality of traffic that comes through the website. So there's different approaches to detecting and then they have their mitigation methodologies afterwards. So there's a bunch of good guys uh, that are working on it, but the reason uh, it's still a very big challenge is that the bad guys don't have to play by any rules, right? They can they can cheat however they want. There are no rules, and furthermore, you know they're probably sitting at the pajamas in Russia somewhere, so uh, or elsewhere, right? Where they're out of the jurisdiction of the good guys. So they almost like um, committing this fraud with impunity, and that's really why it's such a challenging problem for the good guys to solve. Yeah, I can see that. And also, anytime they publish a solution, it's like whack-a-mole. <laughs> exactly. So once the bad guys know what you're looking for, they can actually adjust their algorithms so that they can better hide. So literally, um, when, when I published a piece on um, humans sleep at night and fraud bots don't, uh, we could start to see within literally within weeks, um, you know, some of the traffic coming in at night starts to go down, and the traffic coming in during kind of waking hours uh, starts to go up. So they're able to add, they're able to bounce rates, uh, dwell times, how many pages they they view on your website. So all of those things are just variables that bad guys can tune in their algorithms. Man, bad guys suck. All right. <laughs> All right, so let's change the conversation a bit to, you know, not the, the general industry, but what can nonprofit organizations do to protect the credibility of their data? We already talked about, you know, uh, you know, the Encapsula report, for instance, has, you know, 56% of the Internet's traffic is by bot and about 30%, 29% thereabouts are about evil bots, like things that are just yeah. causing chaos. Like, well, how do we protect ourselves? So in general, you know, there's not a lot of, um, so it's not about protecting yourself. Like, you know, big, big mainstream sites like ESPN, ABC.com, CNN, all those guys, um, there's still going to be a certain amount of uh, bot traffic, i.e. non-human traffic that goes to the website, no matter what. And that's because some of those are search engines that are indexing the content on their pages and all that kind of stuff. Others would be, you know, when you post a page on Facebook, it has a little bot come to your site and, and grab one of the images so that when you post it, it actually has an image and a little bit of text to go along with it. So those are not necessarily bad bots, but those are bots nonetheless. Right? So when those things hit the page or grab an asset from your website, those shouldn't count towards traffic. Right? So you know, instead of thinking about kind of protecting yourself from the bots, because they're, they're always going to come. Um, what, and nonprofits are a little bit different than advertisers because they may or may not be spending a lot of ad dollars. Right? Some do, but not all of them do. Right? So, um, 
the general advice, kind of the best practice that I tell to nonprofits is to really focus in on the human-like actions. Right? So um, I, I always like to say, uh, fraud bots don't volunteer for public service, right? or fraud bots don't make donations. And so those are things that typically would, only a human would do. So they focus in on those kinds of things, right? The actions, the desirable actions that they expect that humans would do instead of focusing on how much traffic they're getting to their website. That's going to be a much better way of thinking in terms of how do, how do we optimize these, uh, you know, these campaigns or how do we optimize for these human actions. Right? So again, it ties a little bit back to what advertisers, um, you know, it's kind of a mindset that they have to go through, which is instead of asking for more and more reach and frequency in, in terms of more ad impressions, Let's now focus on those that actually convert, those that actually turn into some kind of desirable action. Right? So for advertisers, if the person actually finds something from them. Uh, for nonprofits, it will be someone signing up to volunteer or someone making a donation through the website. So those are the kinds of things that they should be focused more on rather than the amount of traffic or the amount of ad impressions that they got. I love that. The, the fraud bots don't donate. And by the way, if they start donating, then you know, I don't think they're that evil anymore. Okay, yes. Good bot, nice job. So Google Analytics, as you kind of mentioned there, Google Analytics is filtering out the, you know, the general functional bots, the things that are there to scrape your site from Google, things from Facebook. Google Analytics is already cleaning those, but there's another level that you're suggesting that we have to do, which is set up the tracking for human-determined actions, as best we can tell on our site. Yeah. Um, so the Google Analytics stuff, what they've done is uh, obviously they have the list of known bots from IAB, right? That encompasses both good and bad. And when you have that show up, like I mentioned, Googlebot will say, I'm Googlebot and I'm coming to call your site so that we can index it for the search engine, right? So Bingbot, MSNbot, Facebook. If you have those known bots, that's what Google can uh, filter out. And that's actually the easy part because those are the honest bots that actually declare themselves in the user agent. So we know it's Google bot when it shows up on our website. The hard part, like I mentioned before, is that the, the bad guys don't declare themselves honestly and they're doing everything in their power to disguise themselves. So I'll give you an example of how we can uh, look for it in the data. Right? So normally a human would access a website through a standard browser and most of those browsers have some kinds of plugins, right, like Flash or Silverlight or whatever. So if we see um, a user come to the site and there's no plugins, that's something that's suspicious, right? But that one factor alone won't allow us to declare them to be bots, right? Uh, we just know that something's suspicious because humans usually come to sites with a browser that has plugins. The other would be things like um, if the window resolution or the screen resolution is an odd resolution, like 10, uh, 10 by 10 or 100 by 100, right? Normally a laptop screen would be 1366 by 768, right? So again, that is a something that is suspicious, okay? So it, these are the kinds of things that uh, we would look for. Obviously, I, I won't go into too much more detail, otherwise we Don't give away the secrets, man. Don't tell them. <laughs> no, the, the idea would be to look for anomalies and things that are 
uh, out of pattern or strange uh, that is kind of unusual for a human visitor. And then, you know, that's only one part of it, right? So then you later look at, okay, did that visitor end up buying something if you're an e-commerce site? Did that visitor end up, you know, signing up to volunteer for public service or something like that? So, um, again, not one thing. So, you know, any item or any parameter alone would usually not be enough to determine uh, that they're buying. But those are the kinds of things that we look for. Yeah. So I guess going back into the, the broader the broader sector, what makes me nervous here, and like you know, I joke about those junk bonds, but we have a lot of the same ingredients. You've got a market here of certain ad networks that aren't really incentivized to cut out you know a third of their business. You've got these folks on the, the fraud side able to leverage and do a lot of damage thanks to you know cloud computing and the decreasing cost of that. And you've got now an influx of money in the digital world, uh, you know, when are we going to hit this iceberg? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it, it's really, I, I actually think we're going to hit the iceberg very, very soon. And it's because of um, a couple of key trends. And one of them is the kind of the explosion of video advertising. So in, in the 2014, actually in the full year 2013 results, uh, we're still waiting for full year 2014. In the 2013 numbers, we saw a dramatic increase in the number of video ads served, uh, literally four times the amount uh, of the prior year. So there's clearly a lot of demand for video advertising, and a lot of that demand is coming from advertisers that have historically uh, put their ads on TV. So now, as they're looking to ship dollars into digital, that's a big, huge bucket of dollars that are shipping into digital. But the problem is, you know, what we're looking at in terms of the digital ads, um, the CPMs are, are 10 to 20 times higher than banner ads. And so it's also been a prime target for the bad guys who, who just have to generate the video ad impression. So that's kind of the big trend that is happening and like I said earlier, if we, the digital advertising industry, doesn't clean this up sooner than later, all of those big, huge dollars um, coming in from TV uh, are going to basically either go on pause and not shift in or, or you know, like literally not come in at all. So that's what's at stake here. Um, you know, I, the, the other thing we need to do is around education. So as long as advertisers and their media agencies are basically using the number of impressions, i.e. the tonnage, as a metric or as a KPI, uh, these problems will persist. Because if they're out to buy more ad impressions, the bad guys are more than happy to generate as many ad impressions as you could possibly buy. Because they've got uh, armies of bots that can just generate as many ad impressions as you want. So as long as that mentality continues to hold, then this problem will persist. Once advertisers and their media agencies start to shift their thinking and say, let's focus in on these desirable human actions, right? Like, like the example we said for nonprofits or e-commerce, whatever, and be less focused on the tonnage of impressions, that's going to be how we make the change to focusing in on you know things that actually drive human buyers to convert into customers rather than these bots generating hundreds of ad impressions.
Yeah. We're going to have to shift away from this. Just get me the eyeballs to let me get the actions. Yeah. yeah. And that kind of stuff takes time. So in the meantime, we have the good guys like the industry associations and we have these anti-fraud vendors helping out. But again, this is a longer term kind of thing where we do need to change our uh, way of thinking to focus more on kind of what, what would generally be called performance marketing. Right? Even in a, in, in, a, in a case of branding advertiser, if they focus in on what, what this performance means for them, then that's going to be a lot better way of thinking about it than simply buying more and more ad impressions and increasing reach and frequency. Yeah, I love this. And if you extend that to the nonprofit um, side, you know, the same kind of if I'm a foundation and I'm supporting people that get more online awareness, I'm going to be more and more focused on the, the types of behavior rather than raw traffic. Exactly. And that comes, you know, really basic stuff. It's like instead of sending the report where the very first thing in the report is the amount of traffic to your website, what if you actually started to focus on how many people actually, you know, made a donation or, you know, how many people actually uh, signed up for service or something like that. Um, those would be the more important things. So literally in the report that you send back to, you know, executive committee or whatever, if you just change that around, that's going to help us start the process of the shift. Well, I think there's a lot to think about here. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and your time with us today. Austin, how do people find you? How do people you know, help you or get in touch? Um, Augustine Fu, uh, you can Google me. Um, so August plus I-N-D, uh, lessons Fu, F-O-U. Um, I do a lot of writing on LinkedIn, on SlideShare, and um, look forward to connecting. Well, again, thank you so much for your time, and we will be aware of the bots. There's a lot to think about here. There are ingredients for destruction we can kind of almost clearly see. You've got the proliferation of bots, you've got revenue models here that kind of depend on some of this fake traffic and it's not hard to imagine a lot of this kind of crashing down but why I care about this topic for the not-for-profit sector is I want us to be ahead of the curve I want us to start to understand and ask the hard questions of are we sure that our internet traffic the things that we base our impact on is in fact real and if we're spending dollars Let's make sure we're not wasting them on fake clicks that simply make vanity metrics go up. The key takeaway, just to remember, is that bots don't donate. And if they do and you're making revenue from that, I mean, well, okay, that's great. But follow that thinking when you're doing your analysis. And make sure that you have the proper tracking set up in place. One of the things that Whole Whale's been doing with our clients when we turn on the filtering that Google Analytics is now allowed to stop bot traffic is it's stopping a small percent, uh, probably roughly less than 1% of the overall traffic. We recommend creating a backup account and then making sure your main account where you're driving insights is filtered out as best you can for bot traffic. This is going to be an ever-changing landscape, but if you're looking for more resources for this and also uh, Dr. Augustine's work, we, as always, have our resources on 
wholewhale.com slash podcast where you can find this podcast with a bunch of resources to help you fight those bots. Good luck out there. This has been Using the Whole Whale. For more resources on today's show, please visit wholewhale.com slash podcast and consider following us on Twitter at wholewhale. And thanks for joining us. Today's music, as always, our Greg Thomas band providing our intro and outro music, and Brad Sucks. Yes, that's actually the artist's name. Uh, Brad Sucks for our interlude music. Yeah. One step at a time,